lot of people have written me off, which is great. I'm going to make, it's going to make me work even harder. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and as always you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash RedRockBasketball and of course Instagram is Instagram.com slash RedRock underscore B-Ball. It has been a few days since I've been back with the podcast. The last show we had was the 2017 NBA Draft Review Show. I do suggest you go and check that out. It was an hour and a half of me reacting basically as soon as the draft had finished. I realize now that there was a couple of trades that I missed in the second round. Um, one of them was Sterling Brown going from the Sixers to the Bucks. Uh, I didn't see that trade, so I talked about him on the Sixers. And also Dylan Brooks going from the Rockets to the Grizzlies. I talked about him as being still on the Rockets. I missed those couple of, uh, couple of trades in that second round, but everything else still holds pretty true. Um, I am in the middle of a Dynasty League draft, so I might talk about that. I'll talk a little bit about the NBA awards today as well. And we will answer your questions as it is a mailbag show. So. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. I apologize for the weird tone of my voice. Maybe you can't hear it, but because my nose is all blocked up and I've got stuffy throat, it's sounding really weird to me. Maybe it doesn't sound so weird to you, but we will, uh, we will see. Let me know if it sounds odd because I'm all stuffed just exactly what I need, but I'm going to be taking a 18 hour flight in about four days time. Just exactly what everyone needs at that point. Um, when you're going to be in a plane for that long to be stuffy, really perfect, perfect timing. Absolutely fantastic. Love it. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let's, let's talk about, well, let's talk about the, uh, you know, which way are we going to, which way are we going to do it? Let's talk NBA awards first. You guys know that I had Harden for MVP. Absolutely no problem whatsoever with Russell Westbrook getting it. He was always going to get it. It felt like no issue with that whatsoever. I had Embiid for rookie of the year. And, you know, I think two-thirds of the people left him completely off their ballot. I understand their reasoning. I still would have given it to him, but I'm glad that if Embiid didn't win, that uh, Malcolm Brogdon did, because I just think that he was much more impactful than what Dario Saric was. And people can say that, you know, I saw a lot of people, Saric was robbed. I saw a lot of people crying uh, racism as well, which was weird. Especially Europeans, oh, it's just American bias giving it to Brogdon over, over Saric. Nah. Sharich was good for six weeks, maybe, maybe eight weeks, and he was really good in that stretch, but before Embiid went down, he was barely doing anything, and then he got himself hurt at the end of the year and struggled, so in the end, he played probably the same amount of good games that what Embiid played, and didn't play them at as high a level, so that's why I had no no problem when I think that, yeah, that's a, that's a fine decision for Brogdon. I'm very against the Eric Gordon sixth man of the year, because I just want once, I just want them to go away from who's the highest scoring bench guy. And Iguodala was fine. My pick was James Johnson. No worries about that. The all-defensive team stuff, I actually, in my all-defensive teams, I picked nine out of the ten blokes in the right spot. My first team was exactly right. And in my second team, I had Robert Covington in there over Yanni Adetokounmpo. And I could totally understand why he'd have Yanni in that uh, in that spot. All NBA teams we've, we've spoken about. 
already most improved. I had Yanni over Jokic, which is basically the way it went down. So no problem there. But what I do want to touch on with the awards is some of these voters who I honestly have absolutely no idea how they made their decisions. And there are a couple in it, and I've got no problem with calling them out because it's ridiculous. First of all, looking through the voter list, and you know, I say it and I say it in jest, hey, NBA, give me a vote. Give me a vote for these things. I'm like, there's no way they're going to give me a vote. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Josh, Josh Lloyd, dickhead Australian from uh, hosting a fantasy podcast. No way he's getting a vote. And then you look at some of the organizations and people getting votes and you go, why not? Why is an Argentinian reporter getting votes? Why is an Italian newspaper getting votes? Why is a Chinese website getting votes? Why are these people getting votes? Why are there just random people getting votes who, who shouldn't be, who don't watch the games as much as I do? Why are there people who, uh, and I know beat, beat writers are fine, but the Memphis beat reporter putting the Memphis players higher than anyone else on any other situation? Mike Conley, most improved. Zach Randolph, sixth man of the year. Like, come on. This is obvious. But then we get to the real crazy ones. Richard Walker, I think his name was, um, from the Gaston Gazette. His all-defensive teams made no sense at all. Kawhi Leonard was not on his all-defensive team at all. At all. John Wall and Russell Westbrook as his guards? Like, John Wall, fine. Russell Westbrook, come on. Russell Westbrook is the player that people who don't know what they're talking about think is a good defender. He acts like he's a good defender. He is not a good defender. And I did the stupid thing last night here of responding to a tweet on the Bleacher Report account that said, like, if Westbrook is better than Curry, and I just responded, that's a no from me. And then I just got bombarded with idiots after idiots. UMF, I'll slap you in the face if I see you. You shouldn't be allowed to talk about basketball if you think that Curry is better than Westbrook. How you verify they should take that away. You have no right to talk about basketball if you think this. And just getting into arguments with literally dipshits all over the place. It was infuriating and I couldn't help myself. I had to keep going back at it. But the the, the arguments that people have, I know Westbrook's a really good defender. Well, actually, he's not. He's, he's not a good defender. Oh, yeah, that's because he has to do everything on offense. Cool. So he's not a good defender. And the award is not, uh, if he didn't have to do things on offense, maybe he could become good because he looks energetic, so let's put him on the all-defensive first team. That's not how any of this works. We're not work- working in hypotheticals here. That's a ridiculous pick. Damian Lillard as an, a second-team all-defense. Come on, man. Look, what are you doing? Nick Batum, Hassan Whiteside in his team. Look, it, it makes absolutely no sense, this team. No sense. And then we get on to my boy Marcelo Nguera, Bebe's dad. Sure, it's not, but the Argentinian man, who obviously has Spurs connections because his third player for Defensive Player of the Year was LaMarcus Aldridge. And he didn't have Draymond Green in his top three. That is egregious. And to top it off, he is the person whose backcourt in his second team all defense was Steph Curry and Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas, and, again, Draymond, not on his all-defensive team at all. How are these people getting votes? Why are they getting votes? Why are we giving votes to Ole in Argentina, to Chinese websites, to Italian um, newspapers? And, again, I'm sitting here in Australia, so, okay, why would you give it to anyone in Australia? Not that they did. 
but I can 100% guarantee that my votes are better than some of the bullshit that was served up by some of those people. In in the end, it didn't matter. But when you've got the responsibility of of doing this, also my man uh, Marcelo Aguero voted Yusuf Nurkic for most improved player, second most improved player, the guy who was literally out of the rotation for about three months of the year. He was the most improved player or second most improved player. Just absolute batshit insanity. And yeah, these people should not be given votes. Lisa Shen Yang from Tencent. Eric Gordon on her first team all defense. Eric Gordon. Now he is better than he's given credit for, but Jesus, that is horrendous. And Dwight Howard was on his first team all defense. There are lots of other weird picks, but that is, that is just craziness. There is so much craziness. And again, I used to say in jest, hey, where's my vote? It's not in jest anymore. Give me a vote. This is bullshit. I can 100% guarantee you that, A, I watch more basketball than those people. 100% can guarantee that. And 100% guarantee, and I've said that too many times, that I look at all this stuff more in depth than any of these guys. And I can also guarantee I wouldn't give you shit answers like this. Campaign, Josh for NBA vote. Not happening, but hey, I feel more serious about getting it now because if this bullshit's happening... Then why not? Um, <clears throat> so that was uh, that was my talk. Yeah, and again, the the don't respond to Bleacher Report Twitter comments because you just get the absolute dickheads. And again, people flooding my like, sending DMs to me that they're going to slap me in the head for thinking that Westbrook is better than Curry. Or for, sorry, for thinking that Curry is better than Westbrook. Oh, Westbrook's a better passer. He's got a better handle. He's a better defender. He's a better finisher. Um, he averaged a triple double. Cool. Just craziness. Couldn't get to sleep because I was dealing with this shit last night, and I'm an idiot. Did it myself, but that was that was that. So I was, uh, I was, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was interesting. Let's talk. Well, let's have a look at this dynasty league that that I am uh, in at the moment. Thirty team dynasty league. So let's have a look at how the uh, the rookies went down in this first round. At number one, we had uh, Markel Fultz, unsurprisingly, then Lonzo Ball, then De'Aaron Fox, which I thought was a little bit surprising for De'Aaron Fox. Now, I held four first-round picks in this draft, 8, 10, 24, and 26, and then I got an offer, not one that was uh, offered, not one that was proposed by me, but someone said, hey, I'll give you my pick four for 8 and 10. And I went, okay, this is before the draft, let me just see what's actually going on. And then when, uh, when Fox went at three, I went, yep, you know what? I'll give you eight and ten because I'll take pick four and I'll take Dennis Smith there. So that was uh, that was my selection of pick four and I'm really happy about that. At five went Frank Nilakina, which I thought was extraordinarily high. Um, six we had John Isaac, seven Jason Tatum, eight was Josh Jackson, nine Lowry Markinen, uh, ten um, Malik Monk, eleven Zach Collins. Actually, no, that Markinen one incorrect. Ignore that. Because uh, the uh, the order of stuff got uh, got stuffed up here because of uh, yeah, pick swaps and all this sort of stuff. So sorry, Josh Jackson, Malik Monk, Zach Collins, Lowry Markkinen, John Collins, OG Ananobi, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo, Jared Allen, Harry Giles, Justin Jackson, um, Terrence Ferguson, Luke Kennard, DJ Wilson, um, TJ Leaf. Um, where else are we? DJ, DJ Wilson, uh, Justin Patton, and then I got back on the board at pick 24. 
and selected Derek White. I was real happy about getting Derek White a pick 24 for the San Antonio Spurs. There's a chance that he could start some games even this season, so I'm excited about that. And then a weird one to me at 25, Damian Dotson. He was a second-round pick out of Houston that went to the Knicks. Um, I thought that was extraordinarily weird. And then I jumped back on with my next pick to pick Jordan Bell. Josh Hart went next, which I which I really loved. I thought that was a, a really good pick there. Uh, Frank Jackson went next. Um, and then I think we might be... Uh, oh, no, then I traded back in. I traded away Trevor Booker because I'm in a rebuilding phase and I got myself the 30th pick. And I chose Sendarius Thornwell. Oh, Juwan Evans went uh, sorry ahead of him. That's the guy I wanted. And then I picked uh, Sendarius Thornwell. At pick thirty, so that was that was the uh, the end of the first round. Then the first pick in the second round was uh, was Frank Mason, and that's uh, that's where we're at in that dynasty draft. If you want more information uh, about that, uh, hit me up, and I'll, I'll let you know how things went down exactly. I see uh, Royan Patnake says, "Can you make the top ten free agent predict, pre- predictions?" What do you mean? Um, as in who I think will get the most money? Who where I think the top ten free agents will go? Is that, is that what you mean? I don't, I definitely don't have anything prepared for that. So I'm not going to be able to give you anything like that in today's show. But is that the sort of thing you mean, Royan? Uh, at this point, I'm not planning on doing another show this week. Um, but we'll see if something big happens. Maybe I will, but let me know exactly what you mean with that, Royan, and we'll look into it. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about the questions that you guys did send in to me for this mailbag pod. The first one is from Beban and he says, when will you start the registrations for the listener league? And that will start at some point in July. I will send out the registration links for the listeners' leagues. We will have 12 rotisserie leagues and 12 head-to-head leagues. Um, one of each of those leagues is already filled as the Champions League with the champions from all of the leagues last year going into Form 1 Super League. So that's already filled. So there'll be 11 other leagues. So we're talking about um, yeah, plenty of people who are going to get their spots in those leagues. The links will be posted out in many different areas. I'll post some of them on Twitter. I'll post some of them on Facebook. I uh, um, I might put some on Instagram as well, and it will just be a, a click the link and sign up type of situation. What I am going to do this year for the head-to-head leagues, they will still be nine category, but I am pissing off turnovers, and I am introducing three-point percentage. I am also removing field goal percentage and replacing that with two-point percentage. So field goal percentage will be split into two-point percentage and three-point percentage. So it would be a little bit of a different wrinkle in those head-to-head leagues. The roto leagues will stay as eight-cat, but the uh, the nine-cat head-to-heads will have a slight change. We'll see how that, that... That's the new standard that I want to try and bring in, not that I have that sort of influence, but that will be what I... And if this works out well, I think this will be a good platform to try it across 12 leagues and see how this scoring system works and see if it can be a, a fun one. So, Beban, thanks for your question. Middle of July, um, I will start tweeting out the info to join those leagues. Um, next question. Shooter D, who do you think is going to be the starting point guard next season for Dallas? I think it is going to be Dennis Smith Jr. Um, yes, they've got Yogi Ferrell there. There's uh, Seth Curry. There's Devin Harris. It, it will be Dennis Smith. Rick Carlisle's basically already come out and said that. I had a lot of people saying, oh, yeah, I felt, but they've got Ferrell there. Ferrell is not as good as what you think he is. Ferrell is not a starting point guard in the NBA. He is. He had a solid... And I also don't really understand how he got on the second team or rookie team. Brandon Ingram also did as well, and he was horrendous. But Yogi Ferrell only played like 20 games, or he, he barely played. So that was a weird one to me. He's not as good as what you think he is. He, he'll be fine as a backup. I'm not even sure he can with, you know, sustain a 10-year career as a backup point guard, but I'm sure as shit that he is not a starting point guard in the NBA, and Dennis Smith has got the ability to be 
legit a, a star. So I think that he is, at this point, I'm 99% confident of Dennis Smith being the starting point guard for Dallas next season. Arnold Woodley throws in a question live here. Um, do you feel D'Angelo Russell gets a bump fantasy-wise on the Nets? Yes, talked about that a couple of episodes ago when we talked about that trade. Can't wait to see what he's going to do. Um, Luke Smith says, I'd like to award Kevin Durant a rusty trombone for his finals performance. Go Dubs. Hey, I'm sure he'd be up for a rusty trombone. Who's turning one of those down? So Luke, go ahead. You can uh, you can go present that to him. And Carl Villa says, what do you think about the Haywood George to Celtics rumor? If this happens, who among the team loses significant value? Well, at this point, it is a rumor. We hear rumors all the time. Like someone asked me the other day, oh, what do you think of Kevin Love to the Nuggets? Like that was a deal that was rumored and then fell through. And as I say, most of the time, when you hear a rumor, it's because it's been discussed and fallen through. Now, there are situations when that's when that's not the case, but just think the D'Angelo Russell rumor, or the trade, it just was, oh, here's the trade. He's done. He's gone to Brooklyn. Like, no one heard that trade. Jimmy Butler to the Timberwolves, that just sort of, oh, there's whispers of him going to the Timberwolves. You know, 15 minutes later, it was done. That's generally how this stuff comes. Now, my thought process or my information on Haywood which I, ha- I haven't heard anything further on for a couple of months, was bet that he is going back to Utah. That That's how all that is playing out and that his preference is Utah. So while I do believe the rumors, I also feel there is somewhat of a self-fulfilling prophecy with the rumors. Is that one person will say it, oh, hey, what's a free agent? And his former college coach plays in Boston, or coaches in Boston. And then people go, yeah, hey, what's a Boston? It's happening. I heard a couple of people say Haywood to Boston. Oh, did you? I heard people say Haywood to Boston as well. And then, oh, yeah, because you know what? He's college coaches there, and it just snowballs and snowballs and snowballs. One thing we do have to remember, he's been coached by Quinn Snyder longer than he's been coached by Brad Stevens. So maybe there's an element of that there. Now, I'm not saying that this is not true and he's not going to Boston. And the Paul George thing, I, I have no idea about that. I'm sure that Boston wants to do those things. Whether they happen or not, I'm definitely not 100% sure. And if George does go to Boston, then that makes LA's trade, I reckon, a hundred times worse of D'Angelo Russell because it does definitely increase the chances of him staying there with a super strong team. And that's why, again, I just killed that D'Angelo Russell trial. It was horrendous from the Lakers. If that did happen to go down, Carl, obviously Jay Crowder is losing a ton of value. Avery Bradley's rebounding is going to dip quite a lot. Isaiah Thomas's value is going to dip. Al Horford's value is going to dip. They have to. It's impossible for them to maintain the same level of performance. Marcus Smart, Bradley, Thomas, Horford, all these guys. Crowder's going to lose everything. Tatum and, and Jalen Brown will do nothing unless they're going back the other way. So if those two guys come in, then look, even those guys, Haywood and George, are going to lose value themselves in that type of a situation. So there would be a significant reduction in production right across that, right across the board. Someone did also ask me the other day, do I see Avery Bradley's crazy rebounding rate being able to continue this season? And he almost doubled his last season rebound rate last season, well, you know, from 15-16 to 16-17, almost doubled it. I've got no, no way for me to believe that that will continue. He was getting the rebounds because Al Horford doesn't. But if he's playing alongside a Paul George, or more importantly to me, if he's playing alongside an Ante Zizic, who is a really, really good rebounder, he's just not going to get that same level of rebounds. And Zizic is going to come over and he's going to play a role immediately. And yeah, while Bradley might not go, I think he was at six rebounds and three the year before, he might not go back down to three, but he's not going to maintain it at six, maybe a four, four and a half type of situation, just with the addition of uh, of some 
of someone like Zizic not including Paul George or Gordon Haywood there? So, uh, good question. Um, Arnold Woodley says, would it be wise to move Wiggins in a dynasty league with Butler coming to Minnesota? Well, that's always dependent on what are you getting back? I would definitely be considering it, but if I was the Timberwolves, I'd also be considering moving Wiggins myself. Cause that's, I don't reckon that's a great wing combo, Wiggins and Butler there. Um, the shooting is not ideal. More talk that they're looking to remove Rubio, which we've heard for three years. Maybe they actually do it this time. I heard you know, Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue talking about it quite a bit, and they were definitely in favor of that. You know, I love Rubio, but I, I, I could, if they traded him now, I'd actually be okay with it just because of the other talent they've got around, the other players they've got around, and what they need to do. It made no sense to do it last year to give the job to Chris Dunn because he was shit house and he proved to be shit house. Shout out to Gar Foreman and, uh, John Paxson. Um, but yeah, it depends what value you can get for Wiggins. And that's, that's going to be the case with, with nearly all those type of questions. Let's look at the next question that was sent in from Yup Yup. Thoughts on Hazonia? Uh, I'm out. I, I have no faith left at all. Um, if we're talking deep leagues, 300 plus leagues, and I can get him for literally no asset. I do it and I take a fly. He's heading into his third season. There's a new front office there, but I'm out. He's been bad, like real bad, and took a big step back from bad to, to horrible. Uh, I'm out. Any interesting rookies in the 13 to 25 range? Well, Donovan Mitchell comes in at 13, so he is super interesting to me in that spot. I think he's, his steal rate is fantastic. Um, he looks good with his shooting. That's a real interesting one to me. So I think that he obviously fits in there. Jarrett Allen, while he doesn't look like a great fantasy player, the fact that he's going to Brooklyn is, is quite interesting. Uh, OG Ananobi at 23, I really like with his defensive potential, the steals and blocks. Um, could be really useful in a fantasy setting. But in that range, there were just so many weird big man selections, like Justin Patton, terrible pick. I didn't like that at all. DJ Wilson wasn't a fan of that pick. TJ Leaf, yeah, not really. Tyler Lydon, yeah, not fans of these selections really in any stretch. But some of those guys, yes. He says, Ishmith or Reggie Jackson, it is an absolute no-brainer to me. It's Reggie Jackson. I don't care what happened last season. It is Reggie Jackson, and it is Reggie Jackson without any shadow of a doubt, in my opinion. What's the guard situation in Utah we have to see? Is Ingles re-signing? Is Haywood re-signing? Is George Hill re-signing? All those things are dependent on one another as well. So there's so many questions. They could be a suitor for a Rubio, Drew Holiday. Any of these guys could come in. Um, do they move? Alec, just forget Alec Burks. He's toast. He's cooked. He's done. Um, and Rocket Rodney Hood, I do expect to bounce back a bit. While, and maybe if they lose Ingles, maybe if they lose Hill and Haywood, then you see Donovan Mitchell and they move him into a point guard role and, and he starts getting minutes straight away. Exum's there as well. There's just way too much uncertainty there. And the front court situation in Toronto, well, it looks like they're going to be playing a Barker at centre. I don't know what they're doing at the four. They don't have a four unless Pascal Siakam is going to take that step forward. Patrick Patterson's a free agent. PJ Tucker's a free agent. Damari Carroll's free of basketball talent. So their, their options are fairly limited uh, at the four spot. So yeah, free agency is going to be key for them as to who they bring across. I still think that they need they should be playing Valanciunas more than they will, but I just don't think that that will happen in Toronto. I have no confidence in, uh, in Dwayne Casey being able to do that. Let's move on to the next question. Pro Bowl MVP. He says, the second year player that goes underdrafted or overdrafted? It's a good question. I think Brogdon has got the, got a chance to be overdrafted. I thought he was fantastic, and you know that I spoke about him at length during the season. But I get the feeling that he he's almost maybe at his limit of where he can... Not, not quite, because it is his first year, but... For him to take a big step forward, I think that might be a tough ask for him. So I reckon he might be 
a little bit overdrafted. Buddy Heald's another one who could be overdrafted. Um, he did have a strong end to the season. I just feel that his lack of peripheral numbers yeah, always limits his total upside in fantasy. But with that team that's there, yeah, he does have a chance to have a good season. So maybe that's a little bit unfair on Bud. Um, underdrafted, it's Embiid probably because of the injuries and people will let him slide in many situations. There is definitely a risk associated with that. The other guy who could get overdrafted is, is Sharich, of course, as well, because I think his role is going to be much limited, much more limited, and you're going to see more November, December Sharich than you're going to see January, February Sharich, uh, this season. So, uh, I think he's got a chance to be, to be overdrafted as well. Good question though. Um, Jordan, what is the secret to producing a good podcast so frequently? Oh, I'm not sure, Jordan. You'd probably have to ask someone that does actually produce a good podcast, but I'll give you my own experience. Um, preparation, really, um, is it, it, preparing what you need to do and, and having uh, you know, written, written stuff. And now, I, I don't write out what I'm going to say. Of course, I'm not reading any of this off a teleprompter or a script. If I was, there'd be less ums and ahs. I don't read any of that stuff, but I have a, a, an outline of what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do for the day. These are my topics, um, and this is what we're going to cover. I also try and speak passionately. I also try and uh, be entertaining as much as I can, throw jokes in, throw my elevated level of sarcasm in as much as possible you know put a bit of fun in there but also try and provide the information it's all well and good to have you know fun and humor but if you're providing bullshit information then what's the point then there's there's no use for that so it's me doing a shitload of work really before the pod and look the podcast comes on it goes for an hour and i think a lot of people think that no oh, it's an hour yeah your podcast is an hour well, it's not it's like especially during the season it's you know, four hours preparation before, five hours preparation before, then it's doing the show. And then it's you know, half an hour of editing and half an hour of writing stuff up and, and social media and all that sort of stuff. It's a long, long process. So what you what you see and what you hear is tip of the iceberg stuff for a podcast. So it's all about yeah, preparation. It's about having an idea. And I guess I've got an advantage because I've always been a comfortable public speaker you know, when we would do group projects at, at school or university, we'd go in those groups and it'd be like, oh, who's going to be the presenter? Oh, I don't want to present. I'll do the work or something else. I just go, you know what? Cool. Just, I'll, I'll present. You go do all the work. I'll just go up there and talk. So I've always had um, confidence in being a public speaker. Um, but also the key in being a public speaker is knowing what you're talking about. And yeah, that's where all that preparation work comes in. So Jordan, if you find someone to ask who does have a good podcast, see what their views are, but that's my thoughts on it as well. Dean Vasic, where are the Bulldogs at Josh? Remember, this is a basketball and non-basketball podcast. Where are the Bulldogs at Josh? Um, yeah, struggling a bit, Dean. I thought we did okay against your boys on Saturday night, got over with a one point victory um, after being four and a half goals up with like 10 minutes left. So we did fall in at the end. Am I concerned about their form? Yes. I do think that the glimpses were there on Saturday night though, Dean, for us to, for us to come back and start putting some performances together. Bob Murphy will be back next week. We'll have Tommy Boyd coming back. Um, it definitely was a more promising performance. He said, are you still basking in the premiership from last season? Yeah. Look, if we don't win the premiership this year, if, even if we don't make the finals, I'll be disappointed, but I'll just go and look at my wall and go, you know what? Last year, October the 1st, 
was the greatest day in the history of the world for me, and I'll always remember that feeling, and they'll probably take 10, 20 years to rub off. And if we don't get back in that time, I'd be disappointed, but I still have that feeling. So thank you, Dean, for that question. Ewell Collins, why is Avery Bradley not on the NBA all-defense team? I would put it this way. I don't think he played enough games, 55 games. And people's argument to me is, well, Chris Paul only played 61. I go, okay, cool. But that is still six more. So maybe that six more was the deciding factor. Chris Paul also had an inordinate amount of steals in comparison to Bradley. And I know all NBA players were up in arms. Oh, my God, I can't believe Avery Bradley's not on. I can't believe Avery Bradley's not on. The question that you've got to ask them is, who would you take off? Do you take Tone Allen off? Maybe. I saw people saying Danny Green doesn't deserve it, and that is bullshit because he is an absolutely sensational, and Bradley is too, but Danny Green is an absolutely sensational um, defender. I can totally see having Avery Bradley over Tony Allen, who did miss some time at the end of the year as well, but I think that missing those you know, 26 games is probably what ended up costing him in that role. I didn't have him in my all-defense team. I did go with Green and Allen in that spot, but uh, I can understand why people were upset about it. I don't think it's a 100% agree just though that he missed out and oh my god burn everyone down I don't think it's got any, anything like that Jared if a food were to be voted president of our country I assume it's your country not my country I don't think they're the same countries would pizza win in a landslide it's a good question yeah I, I do like that question if pizza were pizza's good I don't think anyone can deny that um I'm not sure it would be a landslide victory I, to be honest, I reckon I might choose pasta. And I'll tell you why. I just reckon you can get more variety out of it. In the end, a pizza is a base, like a, you know, a bready base with tomato sauce, cheese, and toppings. Pasta, you've got a lot of different options. You've got lasagna. You've got spaghetti. You've got short pastas, fat pastas, thick pastas. But then you've got all the different sauces. Do you have an oil-based sauce? Do you have a tomato sauce? Do you have a cream sauce? Do you have seafood, meat, chicken, veggies? I feel like pasta is something that if someone said to me, you have to eat one type of food for the rest of your life, I'd probably choose pasta. I'd turn into a fat prick because of all the carbs. Hey, just quick update as well. I'm down 15 pounds in the last three weeks. I'm pretty happy with that. Season over, going to the gym. Happy with that. Um... But yeah, I reckon I'd go pasta, but shit, it's real tough to go pizza. And I think we looked the ticket of pizza pasta 2020. I reckon that would get my vote. And whoever you want to put as president or vice president would uh, would go that way as well. Um, <clears throat> all right, we've got a question here chiming in from Arnold. Help me clear up a debate. Who is better in your opinion, Embiid or Cat? Oh, shit. Um, um, Towns. Oh, mm. Towns. Just, it, it is, um, it, it is stupid close. Because Embiid, look, if Embiid plays a full season this year, I reckon I've got a fair chance to flip that because his defensive impact is out of control. And I reckon that I, yeah, I'm cat at the moment, but very, very easily see myself changing to uh, Embiid uh, after the end of this season. Scofefi Raw, good name. Does Chicago need to bring in Sam Hinkie? And if so, how many weeks ago? How many weeks ago did he get fired? Like 130? About then. They just need anybody. Scofefi Raw, they, they need you as GM. And I know you know what you're talking about. You, you can go in there. You, I know you trust the process. You can be the GM. They also need new ownership as well. Because that, well, that Jordan Bell decision was horrendous. There is no doubt that it was a Reinsdorf saying, get the money. But, 
it's also the GM's job because I'm sure they would have said, hey, you know what, the, the Warriors have come to us with 3.4 million and the Reinsdorfs have come in and said, well, is there anyone that you really want or anyone you want to pick there? And those dickheads have gone, mm, not really, oh, maybe, like, and without being confident. And instead of saying, no, no, I, we want to rebuild. Let's get some talent. Jordan Bell is a talent. Let's take Jordan Bell. That is the most ridiculous part about this Bulls rebuild. You go into a draft with, with two picks, and you come out of it minus Jimmy Butler and one pick. So you end up trading away both your picks, getting back the seven from Minnesota. That is ridiculous. That is just nonsensical from both ownership and management. Just brutally, brutally bad. Ron Jennings says he'd have in and out all day, every day. Man, that is, that is a lot of burgers. I love in and out. Hey, by the way, really pumped to try Chick-fil-A for the first time ever next week. Really super excited about that. Um, Chick-fil-A or in and out Which way do we lean? Interesting. Rob Percher, do you think Michael Carter-Williams still has the potential to be what he showed his rookie year? I would argue that he is exactly what he showed his rookie year, a bad player. He was not good in his rookie year. He put up stats. But if you're asking if he's going to be able to put up those stats again, absolutely 100% not. No, no way will he ever do that. The Bulls today aren't even going to make him a restricted free agent after they traded Tony Snell for him. Um, they're not even going to make him a restricted free agent. So he's going to become an unrestricted guy. Just another one of their multitude of stuff ups, which I can't really disagree with too much. Although it never made sense to bring in Carter Williams when you had a backcourt of guys that couldn't shoot anyway in Wade and Rondo. That made no sense, but I didn't value Snell at that point. But because Chicago has no idea what they're doing, Snell actually played better somewhere else. As for Carter Williams, Finished, cooked, no, not happening, Rob. Sorry, mate. Midnight Walker, what advice would you give to anyone wanting to start their own podcast? This is a very good question. Know what you're talking about. All right, that's that's the number one thing. You have to have a knowledge of what you're talking about. Are you a, a knowledgeable person? That's one thing you've got to tick off. Are you entertaining? And that's a hard thing to self-assess. And if I probably had to self-assess myself, I don't necessarily think I'm entertaining. But I know that if I'm having a conversation in a group of people, I can uh, I can hold people's attention. And that's something you need to be able to do. And it's done in numerous ways. It's done in timing, in the way you speak, in the timbre of your voice, in the up and downness. I mean, whenever I'm talking to Ben, you know, my son, who, who will do a podcast and he started his YouTube video, I'll say to him, your yeah, number one advice, more bounce. Instead of coming out, like I could read this question. What advice would you give to anyone wanting to start their own podcast? That's bullshit. That's not entertaining. What advice would you give to anyone wanting to start their own podcast? Like having rhythm in in what you speak. Can you crack jokes quickly? Can you make something funny? That's another thing. The most important thing is, are you committed to it? Keep a consistent schedule. Everyone knows this podcast during the NBA season is seven days a week. And when they wake up in the States to get on their six o'clock train into work, the podcast is there for them. So it becomes a part of everyone's daily routine. Now, you might not want to do seven days a week and definitely don't because it's a lot of work. Do it once a week. Do it twice a week. But do it every Tuesday. Here is my podcast. I will see you back here next Tuesday. And I didn't mean to say see you next Tuesday, but that's just the way that worked out. Next Tuesday, here is the podcast. And then you get more popular, more listeners. Hey, we're going to expand it to twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays, and do it the same. And if you're not going to do it the same, 
give warning. Hey guys, just a quick heads up. Next week, we won't be doing Tuesday and Friday. Just, I've got a wedding on the Friday. Just be one a week and then we'll go back to our regular schedule of Tuesday and Friday. Keep it consistent. Keep doing it. Don't do it and then go, oh, you know what? I can't be bothered this week. I'm not going to do it. It doesn't work. And it will be slow. It will be slow. Now, if you get a podcast that starts off quickly, um, starts off well quickly, then good luck to you. It's a bonus. It will be slow. I did this podcast for, I don't know, the, the first four months of doing it. 20 people listened. 30 people listened, maybe. That was back in you know, February 2014 I started it, you know, through to like June. And then I would get you know, 200 in July. And then you push through to the start of the next season. And then the numbers started to grow and I'd get 600 for the most of that season. But it takes time. If you look at it and go, oh, I only got 20 listens today. What's the point of me doing my next episode? Oh, I only got 60 here. What's the point? It takes a long time. February 2014, I started mine. December 2016, two and a half years, I had an episode that went for over 45,000 people. This is, it, it, but it takes time. So be committed, be consistent, and be patient. And know what, know what you're talking about as well. That's another key factor, obviously. Um, Van Berf, do I still have, or you, have you, I'll read it out. Have you still got your day job or is this now a full-time thing to you? I have, this is my day job. I do not have any other job. I am no longer a pharmacist. I no longer have to deal with the illnesses of the general public in a pharmacy. I am a full-time fantasy basketball shit talker and that is my job now. So yes, this is my day job. So again, give me an award vote. This is all I do every day. This is all I do is look at basketball stuff. Iron Man. How many minutes will Marquise Chris receive and will he start for the Suns? I'd be stunned if he didn't start and I think he's going to get you know, pretty close to close to 30. But the problem with him is the foul trouble. He'd get 30 or 9 if he could stay out of foul trouble. But I have really, really high concerns of him being able to do that. Now, foul rates almost invariably decrease between first and second seasons. And we'd hope there'd be a significant decrease in what Chris does. His basketball IQ does worry me, so I'm not 100% convinced, but... If he's able to stay on the court, he's playing close to 30. He says, what are your thought, thoughts on the SAWFT breakup? Yeah, I think it was, I think it had to happen, Iron Man. I, th- I think, you know, for as much as you know, we, we love their intros and all that sort of stuff, yeah, Enzo's got a little bit of the Marty Genetis about him. And I think it's going to enable Cass to really push forward and become something big and, and Enzo's going to sort of drop off and fade away. He just he just doesn't offer really much at all. He just offered you know, some talking skills. In terms of in-ring presence, he didn't really offer anything at all. And I think this was a move that they uh, that they had to make. And um, I'm excited to see, ha- uh, to see Cass go uh, full heel now. Um, where are we now? Next question. David Hopkins. How do two-way contracts work? <clears throat> this is a really good question because this is uh, this is something that's new. We've got the 15-man roster in the NBA now, but then you've got two extra spots for two-way contracts, and they're people that you can sign, and they play in your D-League, and they can play in your NBA team. So you don't need to make them a call-up with an empty roster spot. They are on your roster. You have their, you have their rights now. I'm not going to go over everything about it, David, but go to the website twoways10days.com. That's two as the number and 10 as the number. So twoways10days.com. And Chris Reichart 
has got a fantastic write-up on the two-way contracts there, which will have all that information for you. Now, two-way contracts can only be given to players with three or fewer years of NBA service. So they had to had to have played yeah, NBA games in three three years. If in less than three years, otherwise they can't get that deal. Now the contracts can either be one or two years, unless that player has already had three years of NBA experience, and then they can only be a one-year deal. So you can't, if they're in their third year of NBA experience, you can't give them a two-year, two-way contract to push them out to be four years. Once they go past three years, it, it, it doesn't count. So you've got you know, one or two-year deals. What they what they do is they enable that player to play up to 45 days with the NBA team while the D-League season is on. So you can call them up at any time, but they're allowed to be with the team for 45 days maximum. But when the D-League season finishes, which I believe is like the end of March, start of April, after that, because there is no D-League, you can call that player up for the rest of that time and for the entirety of the playoffs, and they can play in the NBA. So from, say, April 1st onwards, you can have a 17-man roster to choose from all the way through the rest of April and through the playoffs. So that 45 days only counts, not the D-League, sorry, while the G-League is going on. All right, so it makes sense. So that, that's that's the, the way that we move. So basically, I think it's... um. I think it's good. It gives these people an extra, or gives these teams an extra chance to get some players in and develop them. Now there are only four teams who don't have their own G League equivalents or affiliates at the moment: the Blazers, the Wizards, the Nuggets, and the Pelicans. And I know the Nuggets, and I think the Wizards have got some plans to open that up. So they're a little bit behind the eight ball with that. They've definitely got to. Uh, they've definitely got to try and uh, and get that happening. And I'm sure they will. And we'll be getting a one to one league going pretty soon. And that's going to really open this up. But that's basically what it is. And when they move to the NBA, they get paid like an NBA player. The max they can get paid for a season though is two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. And that's you know, assuming they pay the forty five games in the uh, in the NBA, and then they get D league salary the rest of the time. So. I would assume that most guys who sign these two-way deals, they'll have some sort of agreement that, yeah, you're going to put us on the 45, you're going to put us up for the full 45 days every season so we get the full amount of pay. Otherwise, teams just might say, nah, don't worry about it. I'll just go and play. And if then a team can actually sign me up and put me on a veteran minimum salary if I do well enough in the D-League. Because in this situation, if they do well, a team can't just say, oh, can I just put you onto my main roster? That That can't happen. So that this is a really good con- uh, question, David. But if you do want to check it, Go to twoways10days.com, and that gives you uh, gives you more of that more of that information here. You can, uh, in in terms of bird rights, they do get bird rights. So once you have them on two way, it's just like treating them as any other player. They have bird rights. They become restricted free agents as well. At the end of that deal, they can be traded. Everything is the same as a, as a regular contract in that way. But that, that is a really good question. I do really suggest everyone goes and checks out Chris's page and reads this article specifically. Also, there was a great article on Peachtree Hoops, I believe, about sign and trades because that is such a common misconception. I get that all the time. Oh, they just sign and trade him. Oh, sign and trade him. And it just doesn't happen. And the reason it doesn't happen is because what is the benefit? Okay, so say, for example, Paul Millsap says... Sorry, Atlanta, it's been great. I'm going to Denver. And then you hear, oh, no, we'll just sign and trade him. What benefit does that give to Paul Millsap? None. 
He, he can't sign this massive, the, the rules have been changed. You can't sign the big five-year full extension and then you have that transferred over in a sign and trade. It doesn't work that way anymore. You will have to go to the Denver team who will then have to give up assets for you to come in this sign and trade. So you're weakening your own team. So there's no benefit for him. There's no benefit for Denver in that situation unless in some situ- unless they did just don't have the cap space to sign him outright and they have to trade it back, then, then that can be the case. But if he's open to sign as a free agent and he's made the decision he can just go there, then there is literally no benefit for a sign, sign and trade in majority of situations. So, again, that's something that comes from dumb corners of the internet most of the time, the Bleacher Report comments. Oh, sign and trade him. Yeah, just do a sign and trade. That's all right. Oh, Blake, we'll just sign and trade him. Get a first bag. Oh, cool. Not how any of it works. But it is, it is a good idea to read that stuff. Brian Toporak. What is the grossest type of sandwich you'd give Jaleel Okafor away for? I dislike eggs, so anything with egg in it is pretty gross to me. Would I give that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd give away an egg sandwich to get Okafor onto my team. I reckon I'd be pretty happy with that. Um, it'd be interesting to see if his knees are healed, how he does with Simmons and Fultz in, in a, a limited role, clearly. But can he have an improvement? I don't think he's 100% lost. He's pretty shit, but I don't think that he's 100% lost. But yeah, any any type of egg sandwich, that's uh, it's getting pretty gross to me. Steve Simmons. Nine cat Roto League. Keep three or five. Now, this is tough. I don't know how he's got these players. Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis, Draymond Green, and Bradley Beal. Now, first things first, I don't know what your... um what your keeper rules are. Do you have salaries? Do you have times that you can keep them? So that makes it tough. But to me, there is two absolute no-brainers that you are keeping no matter what. Jokic and Davis, it's done. You've kept them. It's finished. Then your decision, I think, comes down to Draymond and Embiid. I find it real tough to give up on Embiid. Now, Draymond is great, but I get the feeling that a couple of years' time, we might see significant decline out of Draymond, and Beal's just nowhere near that level yet. So to me, it's Embiid, Jokic, Davis, young guys, Big guys, and with so many other bigs being terrible in the league, and watch, watch what's going to happen this year. There are going to be the bigs, like Jokic, like Davis, like Cousins, like um, Embiid, like Towns, who play big minutes, and then every other center, I'm sure I'm missing someone, but every other center is going to play 27 minutes, 26 minutes. Like Dwight is going to play 25 minutes in Charlotte. It's going to happen all over the place because there are so many bad bigs and there's just so many of them. So getting those three blokes is ridiculously good, and that's the way that I would be heading there. Corey Kent throws in a couple. Do you think the Suns try and run a Bledsoe-Yulis combo this year and sit night again all year? No, there's no way they will sit him again all year. Um, I'm interested to hear from Suns fans. Do you think that Yulis can be a point guard, of, uh, your point guard of the future? I do not. I don't think that he is. I think that he is a backup point guard, much like Yogi Ferrell. He is much better than Yogi Ferrell, but I don't think that he can be your starting point guard. I think running that combination um, yeah, as your starter backup is fine. I think you'll also play Brandon Knight as a two. You won't play him as the point guard at all. He'll be the backup to Devin Booker for most of the time, would be my guess. He says, on a second note, what the what WTF? I try to avoid saying the F word unless I'm talking about gar, gar packs. Um Happened to Brandon Knight. He says, I get it with injuries, but man, he was sick when he played with the Bucks. He had half a good season. Uh, I think we do overrate that. And it was a really good season. He had half a good season. 
and the injuries have been bad and his efficiency is terrible and the game has just overtaken him. It, it's been, it definitely has been weird. And that's why when we look at things like dynasty ranks and dynasty value, you know, I'm really against dynasty ranks because you know, there's just so much that changes. Like who could have predicted that this guy who was a top 40 player for a, you know, a year uh, just can be completely out of the rotation and, and deservedly so. Corey says, get Brad Beal out of the discussion. I completely agree with you. All right. And I, I, I like Beal. Aram Palamudian, how do I grow my beard to look like yours? Is one key ingredient, Aram. Laziness. Don't do anything. Don't rub oils into it. Don't rub creams into it. Don't do shit. Just let it grow. And unfortunately, if you don't have the hairy ass genetics like I do, then you're not going to be able to do it. Again, those guys of you who are going to meet me over in the States, when you, when you, you'll see my face, but I've got like ridiculously hairy legs. I've got hairy forearms. I've got a hairy chest. My hair just grows. I can't do anything about it. I literally do nothing. There's no oils. There's no formulas. There's no treatment plans. There's literally nothing. There is just, it grows because I'm lazy. And that's, uh, and that is that. Um, where do we go next? Sean Hurley. What are my overall thoughts on Wiggins and how him and Butler can coexist together? I did talk about that a little bit. I think it might be a little bit of a struggle playing Wiggins down at the two or Butler at the two. Um, Wiggins is a high usage player. Butler's high usage as well. I think Wiggins is going to take a step back. He needs to be able to develop other areas. Can he become more of a ball handler? Can he be a bit more aggressive rebounding? Can he take his defense up? I think it is going to be a struggle, and I'd love to see them get someone more as a shooting wing in that spot next to Next to Butler, I don't think they're going to do that. I think there are going to be concerns, and I reckon you'll see some uh, some shakiness from the Wolves from the first, at least the first month of the season. But I guess we will. Uh, I guess we will find out. Um, Zubin Petrao, my favorite wrestler of all time. Whew, that's that's a good one. I was always a big Kevin Nash fan, but looking back, he probably isn't my favorite wrestler of all time. I'd have to go with uh, with Bret Hart. Um, I don't know. I just the the glasses, the uh, the oily hair, the the, the swagger, the confidence. I, you know, I was a big Ultimate Warrior fan initially, but if I look back on things, I, I would have to say I'd have to say the Hitman was my favorite wrestler of all time. Um, Corey says I think Butler opens the floor for Wigo, forcing him to focus on his outside shooting and his defense. But does he? Look, Butler's not a great shooter. He's an okay shooter. So when you, your other guys aren't shooters, Rubio, Jeng, Towns, like no one's a shooter. I'm not sure the Butler's opening it up enough, up, up enough for that to be for that to be the case. Burrito says, "I have 20 and 21 rookie picks. I'm looking for upside targeting Johnny Collins, Jonah Bolden, Jordan Bell, Jawan Evans, Derek White. Can you rank them? Anyone else? I just went went through how how the rankings went." In my draft, Johnny Collins has massive, massive upside. They also like his opportunity in Atlanta, so I'd probably look at him first. And then I would take um, White. Then I would take Bell, Evans, and Bolden would be my order for those guys. And, and I look, you've got a great selection of guys there. All of those guys translate extraordinarily well for fantasy. Bolden probably has the worst opportunity. Bell doesn't have a great one for the next couple of years, I wouldn't say. Evans could really look. Evans could be in a sensational spot if Chris Paul leaves this off season, but uh, we don't know if that's going to be the case at this point. So he's a real interesting one. And Derek White with 
maybe DeJounte Murray doesn't step up, maybe Tone Parker's not back, maybe uh, maybe Pat Mills doesn't return. There's a good opportunity there for him. But with Collins, with Howard gone, and with Millsap potentially gone, and his ability to put up numbers, he's got a great great looking spot there. So I'd be looking at I'd be looking at him at number one, and then probably White at number two. Question: Steve Simmons, when will you be in the US? I will be in the US from the when do I arrive? The second of July. I arrive on, on the 2nd of July, and I leave on the 22nd of July. He says, let's grab a pint if you're in Philly. I will not be in Philly. I will be in Utah, and then I will be in Vegas, and then I'll be in San Francisco, and then I'll be in Chicago. So if you are attending the Utah Summer League, if you are attending the Vegas Summer League, keep an eye out for me, because I will be there. So check out, see if you can see me, come up and say hello, um, yeah, just come up, say hello, introduce yourself, and uh, and we'll have a chat. Um, and in Chicago, I know there's a lot of people there. Maybe we'll do some sort of a, a meet-up somewhere after I go to a Cubs game that's still trying to, to work that out. But if you are in Chicago and you are interested in something like that, let me know. We can uh, we can go that as well. Um, Kobe Wade, do you think the NBA should raise the rim? This is an easy one. No, 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 no! It's fine. There's no, absolutely no reason to, in my opinion. It's fine as it is. I know that people have gotten bigger. I don't care. It is fine as it is. One thing they should do is widen the court, but raise the rims? No. Luis Espinosa. What would a legit offer for Porzingis look like? Porzingis. Um, he's 21 and a unicorn and under cost control for two more years. What would a le- You have to give up multiple high picks. You have to give up at least two top five type picks. So I think that... Phoenix offer of pick four and and Devin Booker, or that that alleged discussion, and maybe something else smaller thrown in there. Maybe a maybe a maybe TJ Warren. Maybe that's a little bit too much. Uh, maybe you throw Bender into that list. Also, by the way, Marcelo Nogueira, Dragon Bender was on his uh, all rookie second team. Seriously, get that guy out of the voting. Sorry, Marcelo, but that is horrendous. Um, that's the sort of offer that I think that you need to you need to look at as a legit offer. I honestly don't see Porzingis getting traded in this offseason. I think it was a little bit of bullshit bluster from Phil. I don't see Mello getting traded either, but and that's because Mello's doing exactly what he should do and, and tell Phil to basically suck his own dick. And that's uh, that's pretty much what he should be doing. Boogie Cousins, not the real Boogie Cousins, with the uh, Elton John profile pick. What do you think will happen moving forward in the NBA? More spacing and three-point shooting or a change of rules to encourage more old-school basketball? There is no way that they would want to change rules to encourage more old-school basketball. The old-school discussion is completely asinine, in my opinion. Oh, it was better in the 80s. I just... It was better back in the 90s. Go and watch those games. It is, it is pretty much unwatchable. Everything evolves, and it evolves with better level athletes, better coaching, better analytics, better data. All this stuff evolves, and quality of play gets better. I don't. There is no way in the world the NBA is changing rules to bring back more old-school play. They're not going to be more lenient on fouls. They're not going to eliminate a three-point line. Um, more spacing or three-point shooting, marginally. It's not going to be. It's not going to be a situation where they're just taking eighty percent of their shots from back there or anything like that. What I do see happening is more homogeneity, and I don't think that's the correct pronunciation of that word. Of size, meaning that big men. What's the point? Unless you've got these crazy, awesome players like Embiid, 
and Porzingis and Towns. And the reason they're crazy awesome is because they move and because they move quickly and because they can get in and out and because they can shoot, all three of them. They're not plodding, fat-ass, seven-foot-two guys who stand under the rim and protect and protect it. I think the big man is going to go out of the game. And you're going to see, and I talk about this all the time, you're going to see you know, three, you're probably going to see two point guards and three six six to six nine or six ten guys most of the time. And you'll do it through running. You'll increase the pace of the game. You'll get the speed. And that last season was the highest pace season in NBA history. You'll get the pace of the game going. You'll get more shooting. Offenses will become so much more deadlier. And anyone who is slow and big, and they just won't matter. Oh, he can stand under the rim. That's cool. But these guys are too fast to get around. They'll ping shots from everywhere. You're going to see more situations. Two point guards, like three small forwards. You're going to see much more of that type of situation. Everyone playing up a position. And this is something that like, Paul George doesn't want to play power forward. Anthony Davis doesn't want to play center. LaMarcus Aldridge doesn't want to play center. LeBron doesn't want to play a power forward. Newsflash, mate, you are all those positions now. That's just where you play. And the guys you're going to be playing up against are the guys you used to play against at small forward. Paul George, you don't want to play power forward. But you know who you'll be playing at power forward? LeBron James, who also doesn't want to be a power forward. LaMarcus Aldridge, you don't want to be a center, but you'll be playing guys like Anthony Davis, who are power forwards. Paul Millsap will be a center. This is how everything will just push up a position. And you get your two point guards in and push up a position that way. That is how I think uh, think it will go. Corey says, uh, the last thing the NBA wants to do is take points off the board. Old school is trash. That is uh, much more efficient than I could have said it. I agree. Rob Herndon, who is the next team to win the East and the West other than the Cavs and Warriors and what year will it be? It will it be um, the Celtics and it will be, it will be not, uh, no, screw it. It's going to be this season. The Celtics are going to win the Eastern Conference in 2017, 18. The West, it will be in 1920. And it will be, hmm, who will it be? Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. It'll be the Denver Nuggets. There you go. That's my bold prediction there. Corey also says, I think the big man is already gone. Yeah, you could definitely make that uh, argument. As I said, this is DeAndre Jordan, Rudy Gobert, um, Porzingis, MB, Towns. Like, there, are, there are a handful of them, but you're, you're right. The, the big man is, uh, is pretty much gone. Sean Hurley, debate Devin Booker versus D'Angelo Russell. I don't have enough time to do that full debate, but I do believe that Russell is is the better prospect still out of these two. Devin Booker has been fantastic, and there is absolutely no denying that. And people think that I don't like Devin Booker. I like Devin Booker. I think he's very, very good. I still have my concerns as to whether he can actually become a star player, and I'm sure he'll be an all-star at some point, but his defensive concerns are, are, are massive. And his shot selection is poor, and some of that can be solved by better teammates, but it has been really, really bad. His efficiency has been bad. His defense has been bad. I think that Russell can be better than him. doesn't mean that he will be better. Probably the scope of outcomes is, if over 50% of the outcomes is a Booker, he's a better player than Russell. But I think that in terms of just pure upside ability, 
I think I would have Russell higher than that. And obviously Russell is valued much lower than that. So you can get him a lot cheaper than what you can for Devin Booker. But I feel like Devin Booker is a little bit overvalued in some circles, especially say for the Phoenix Suns who, you know, wouldn't trade him directly for Christos Porzingis. And that is a trade that I would make. But there's not, I mean, again, when I have these debates, this is not, and even when I had that Steph Curry Westbrook debate, I like Westbrook. I've been a massive Westbrook fan for years and years and years, as you would all know. This is not me saying they're bad. I'm not saying Booker is bad. I like him. He is good. I just, I, I have, still have significant concerns about how his game can develop. Amrit, what's the biggest mistake you see people make in fantasy hoops every year? Overdrafting rookies. Almost without doubt that happens. Well, not without, it happens all the time. Um, yeah, the, that's, uh, that, that's the number one mistake. The other mistake that I see people trying to do is uh, I, I drafted James Harden, so let's add DeAndre Jordan because it'll balance out your free throws. It won't. It won't. And the other thing is, that's that's a, yeah, another mistake. And the other one is not building the best team but trying to grab the best players. Again, it doesn't work. You have to build guys to the right strengths of your team. You've got to grab the right guy at the right time, not necessarily just because he's the best guy that's left on the board. Edward Mitros, is there a case that starting point guards should be ranked 1 to 30? Every team seems to have a top 100 guy now, especially after this draft. Okay, Edward, I understand what you're saying. There's a lot of point guards, but that exact reason is why they shouldn't be ranked 1 to 30, because you can get plenty of them later on. You can't get centers that play 30 plus minutes. Towns, Pozingas, Embiid, Jokic, Jordan, Gobert, that's it. The centers. After that, you're left with 27 minutes of Nikola Vucevic, 28 minutes of Robin Lopez, 24 minutes of Tim Mozgov, 30 minutes of Brook Lopez, and that's not a bad thing. But you know, the fact that there are so many good guards around, and they have their tiers of where they are, but in those middle rounds, you smash the shit out of guards. You can get 10-point guards going 20 picks between 50 and 70 quite comfortably. Lynn, Russell, Schroeder, Conley. Um, yeah, Fultz will probably go in that spot. Ball might go in that spot. Plenty of point guards around that zone. So exactly what you said, there's so many of them, is exactly why they're not your first 30 picks off the board because you can get them later. It's about positional and statistical scarcity and how you're able to get those numbers. When you can find it later on, you leave it till later on. Captain Sprinkles, how did I get into the fantasy world? Playing. Just by playing fantasy basketball. Yeah, playing it and put, you know what? I think I'm okay at this. In my first two seasons, I won back-to-back championships, entered into other leagues and listener leagues for other podcasts, won those. Well, you know what? I'm doing it right here. I understand the principles behind this. I understand the game. I understand the players. I understand the mathematical principles behind it, so I know what I'm doing. So doing that, and then I said, this is what I tried to do. I, I, uh, I applied for a job at Pro Football Focus. I was looking for a hobby. Uh, as a play charter, I got that job and started doing it and it was taking me a, a lot of time. I was more back into the NFL back then. And I said, you know, I, I can't do this. This is not, this is taking up, you know, seven, eight hours of my day to do this and, and it's not working out for me. So I said, what can I do? There's not enough coverage for fantasy basketball is what went through my head. There's not enough coverage out here. So you know what? I'm just going to start writing about it. I think I can write. I think I know what I'm talking about. So even if it's just for my own benefit, Let's start writing and see where it goes from there. And then I started doing it and putting out my own stuff. And then, um, you know, so I sent an email off to Kyle McEwen, who was the editor over at Rotowire at that point. Hey, Kyle, you know, started a website. I'd appreciate it if you could read it. Just let me know what you think. He read it, 
got back to me in a week or so. He said, I like it. Come and have a job here. I went, sweet. Cool. You know, a couple of months in, I've got a job working for RotoWire, one day a week doing some writing, and then moved from there. They said, you know what? There needs to be more podcasts. There's not enough. There's no good fantasy. Well, there's not enough good fantasy basketball podcasts. There was Kyle's podcast at the time. There's nothing else really. I'm going to start one of those. I think I can talk. I think my ability to get information out in spoken form is better than it is in written form. So I'm going to start doing that. And then it did. And if you put together good work, you know, if people, I, who I'm not saying here it's great work, but if people think it's good, it will get found and it will get popularity rising. And that's exactly how it happened. And it just snowballed from there. Your position working at Hardwood Peroxys and doing fantasy stuff and being their, their lead podcaster over there. And then, yeah, the job at Basketball Monster came up. If I wasn't doing this, now, what would you do if not for being the best at this? Well, I'd still be doing it because I'm not the best at it now, but I'd just be still being a pharmacist and drudging through public health. Yeah, I don't see myself. I probably would have lost my marbles, but I don't see what else I would have been doing. Jeff Farwell, how do you groom that luxurious beard? Second beard question, same answer. I did nothing, literally nothing. Don't put any shit in it whatsoever. Leave it alone. Yogi Ferrell, not the Yogi Ferrell. A rule change that you'd make that applies to both the AFL and the NBA. Hmm. Hmm. Now, my number one rule in the uh, NBA that needs to go is timeouts. But the AFL doesn't have that, so I can't apply that to both of them. But timeouts need to go in the NBA. They are they are terrible. They just need to uh they need to be gone. One timeout per team per half. That is it. Better basketball better spectacle. I know you have ads, but it's bullshit. Timeouts are bullshit. A rule for both AFL and NBA. I can't think of something that necessarily applies to both. Yeah, I can't I can't think of a rule that goes on. What rule would I want to change in AFL? The worst rule that's currently in the AFL is the below-the-knees contact rule. It is a horrendous, horrendous rule, and it is adjudicated horribly, and the player that's going for the ball is the one that gets penalized. Now, I understand if you slide through someone's legs deliberately, but if you jump on the ball and then someone runs into you, it shouldn't be a freaky against you because you're the one who went down for the ball and the other person didn't go down for it, and they just stood there and didn't put their body in to get the ball. That is a horrendous rule, and it is just it is just a disgraceful rule, and it is against the spirit of the game in total. But I don't have a I don't have a rule that I think would apply to both. What do you think about three on three in the Olympics? Literally, this is my thought process on it. I don't care. I won't watch it. Uh, much like this big three league here, I have no interest in it whatsoever. Uh, from all reports, it's been uh, it's been pretty shitty, and I have no interest in in three on three basketball at all. And as I said, this is my full time job. So all my thoughts are basically taken up on the NBA. And then when it's not, it's looking at guys in college or guys in Europe, not watching three-on-three leagues. So yeah, I, I have, if they want to do it, by all means, I won't be watching. Um, the top five to 10 players for a dynasty NBA draft. Towns, Yanni at one and two. Westbrook, Durant, Harden, Curry, Kawhi, all these guys that are going to be the top eight players in standard leagues are going to be the top players in dynasty leagues. They're not old. You know, LeBron, Chris Paul, Paul, but they're not going to be top eight players next season. 
it's I would put Towns at one and another Dukumpo at two, and you could switch those around. You'd probably move Jokic up into the top seven, but everyone else, Steph, KD, um, Kawhi, Westbrook, Harden, they're all they're all still in that spot, and that's that's the way that I'd be uh, I'd be looking at it if it's a startup draft, which I assume is what you're asking. If it's a rookie only draft, Fultzball Smith, uh, Fultzball Smith, Isaac, probably Fox next after that. Who the hell is going to win the flag? An AFL question. Are we going to see a similar situation to last year with a team getting hot right at the right time? I bloody hope so, and I hope it's the Bulldogs again getting hot at the right time. Who is going to win the flag? Um, it is a, a tough question, mate, because um, yeah, who knows what is going to go on? I would, I would think. I would still put my money on the Giants at this point, but they are they are known to implode at certain times if the pressure is on. So I'd put them at one, I'd put the Crows at two, and then uh, let's just sneak the Bulldogs in at three. Hopefully we can get some stuff cracking again. Moose, how much money will we be donating to the Fire Packs and Billboard GoFundMe? Can you send me the link to that? And I'll have a, I'll have a look at it, but I'll uh, I'll get some money in there. I'll put one up next to it. Hire Lloyd. Jack Epstein, what the F are the Pelicans going to do if we lose Drew to free agency? You're going to suck, and then you're going to lose DeMarcus Cousins in the next offseason, and maybe you get yourself a, a top pick. <laughs> That's, but but in saying that, in saying that, the point guard market is going to be depressed in the offseason. So there are a lot of point guards around. Maybe you get a guy like Pat Mills. Maybe Jeff T comes in really cheaply. Maybe George Hill is around. Maybe, maybe you get Derek Rose, which is disgusting. Maybe Darren Collison comes back, which would be, would be an interesting cheap play. So there aren't, there's, you're not totally devoid of options in that spot. There are a lot of point guards. Maybe make a trade for Ricky Rubio somehow and just say, man, just give it, just give us him if you want to be rid of him so badly. So you do have some options if Drew doesn't come back. You should be doing everything you can to bring Drew back though. Dax. He says, I've never been to Las Vegas Summer League. I'm planning on going next year. Any tips on what days to go, when to book, baby-friendly? Baby-friendly, I've got absolutely no idea. I don't go with a baby. I've got no idea on that. Any tips on what day to go? The Friday, Saturday, Sunday is normally the best time to go. You get the massive games on the Friday night and the Saturday night, normally a Lakers primetime game. They try and pick one against pick two in that slot as well. So that first weekend, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday is your best time to go. When to book? As soon as the tickets come out, no, no point not booking it at that point. You can get a ticket that gives you access to every day. I think it's 250 bucks for all 12 days or whatever it is. So that's a way of doing it as well. But I do highly recommend going. It is, uh, it is a fun day. There's two courts there. You can walk back and forth. There's a, people all around, celebrity type people, basketball people, um, shit Australian podcasters are there as well. There's plenty of people there. So it is, it is a really good opportunity. And, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting back there for the third year in a row. Brian, what's Butler's value after the trade? It is depressed. It is lower than what it was because he won't be able to get as many assists. Now, he had about five a game last year, so I think that you might get that down to 4.3. So that, that that is the concern. His usage will also drop a bit with Towns and Wiggins and around. So I think it'll be hard for him to maintain the same level of value. And if he fell outside the second round, I wouldn't be surprised. And that's nothing to do with his talent level. It's just the new situation that he finds himself in. Luis Espinosa back with another one. What do you think the Knicks can get for Mello? Nothing. If they can get a late first, maybe. I wouldn't be expecting any sort of large haul, though. A bad contract back, maybe? I don't know. 
I don't think the Knicks should be looking to trade him because they're not going to get much value back. Do other GMs dislike the Knicks as well? I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily something that's the case. I haven't heard anything along those, uh, along those lines. In fact, I think they'd be pretty happy to deal with Phil and some of the bullshit and get, try and get some bargains off him given some of the stupidity that's been coming out of Knicks headquarters. I'm going to have a drink because my voice is turning very, uh, very croaky. Let's see if that helps. All right, let's uh, go on to the next one. Mike Green, who will be the best player on the Cavs in three years? Chetty Osman. Won't be LeBron, won't be Love, won't be Kyrie, because he will be gone, in my opinion, in three years. When those two guys go, he will get traded out of there. It will be Chetty Osman or a player yet to be determined. Riley Harding, how bad might the Clippers be next year? Top three pick bad, potentially, in my opinion. Now, Riley, you say this, and uh, I, I don't know how bad they're going to be. What I wanted to bring up with this is that the the notion of Chris Paul declining his player option and Blake Griffin declining his player option. What this means is absolutely nothing. It does not mean that they are not returning to the Clippers at all. All it means is that they want more money. They were on a contract that was signed under the old CBA, under the old salary cap. There is absolutely no reason for them of to to opt it in for one more year at a at a lower price than what they're going to get and lock themselves in with a more secure future. This decision to opt out was always going to happen for these guys, for the rooster, for Blake, uh, for, um, who's the other guy that did it, um, that was always got Paul Millsap. This was always going to happen. It is absolutely nothing to do with their intentions moving forward. Kevin Durant opted out of his player option. This is just what happens with player options. The only cases where where players opt into their player options is when their value has taken a significant decline, like a guy like Greg Munro, who's thinking he's not going to get anywhere near the $17 million that he's due for this year. And he's probably thinking, maybe I get you know three years 18 million or some some bullshit like that. He goes, oh, I might as well just get this 18 for one year. So you're assuming that Blake and Chris Paul and JJ Redick are all gone, and I don't think you should be making that assumption. It's, it's definitely possible. They all could go, but this decision of them to decline their player options gives you absolutely zero indication that that is what they're going to do. It means nothing. It means they want a contract that is that falls under the new salary cap. That is all that it means, and it is 100% common sense, and they were always going to do it. It has zero impact. So don't don't think that that's the case. Robert Robles, what's my basketball story? When did you start playing? How far did you get? Also, which NBA era did you first follow? Let's start with the first. Which era did I first follow? Uh, early 90s, Bulls, uh, just before their first title. I think that season before their first title is when I first started following the uh, the NBA. And I was a Bulls fan back then. I still am, obviously. What's my basketball story? When did I start playing? Well, I'll give you a, a tip, Robert. Uh, I, I don't play. I, I I never played. I've played a couple of games um, for maybe about five years ago, filling in in my brother's team. And, you know, I can play because I can do most sports at a decently high level. But I played cricket and I played Australian football through all my primary school and high school years, and I was good at them. So that's what I played. Um, yeah, I never played basketball as a kid growing up, apart from just out on the playground, yeah, at school, during lunchtime, things like that. But again, most of that time, we were playing footy or I was playing cricket, and they were the two sports that took up most of my time. So I am not a professional basketballer. I'm not a semi-professional basketballer. I'm not an amateur basketballer, but I know what I'm talking about. I know how to watch the game. I know how to analyze the game, and I know how to say who is good or not. 
but I didn't play it um, to any any organized level at all, which I think maybe that surprises some people. But I think you'd be well aware <clears throat> well aware now that you don't actually have to play the game to have any sort of clue of what you're talking about when you're discussing it. Connor Vox, would you join our Dynasty League? Do it for the boys. No. <laughs> no, sorry, Connor. I, I, I can't. I'm, I'm in way too many leagues, but I will, uh, I will crack open a cold one for the boys. If that, uh, if that makes you feel any better, but I, I, I do not have the time to join any more leagues, unfortunately, but I do wish you good luck in your dynasty league and, uh, I'm happy to offer any assistance in the league with any questions you might have. And I'll crack open that cold one for you. James C. Why is steal rate so important when predicting players' outcomes? The why, I'm not, you know, there's no real way to know why. But the fact is that we know that it is, is that we have gone back and regressed this stuff and looked at it and said, the guys that come in with a high steal rate turn out to be good players based on whatever measurement you want to use, VORP or wins over replacement or whatever type of method you want to value a player of being a success. It has a, a relatively high correlation with incoming steal rate. I don't know why that is. There's no need to really work out the reason behind that. Like, oh, is it because you know they're getting steals in college, so they have high basketball IQ, or they've got long arms and big wingspans? It could be any of that stuff. The thing is that it does, and that's that's the most important thing because we know that it does. Rebounds as a stat translate. If you're a good rebounder in college, you're a good rebounder in the NBA. But steal rate means if you're a good steal rate guy in college, your chances of becoming a good player are higher than pretty much any correlation to any other stat. So that's why we look at it, and that's why you should be you know, relatively excited about a guy like Donovan Mitchell who comes in with a really high steal rate, and yeah, a little bit later as a draft pick. Michael Scotch, what are some of your favorite American TV shows? Well, you can just remove American out of that because it just moves into TV shows because I don't watch Australian TV shows. It's all American TV shows here. So it's The Wire, it's Breaking Bad, it's Game of Thrones. It's, um, what am I watching at the moment? I just finished Better Call Saul, which I was really hesitant to start Better Call Saul, but I'm just, I don't know, I finished Breaking Bad. Is this going to be shit? Like, what are they going to do? It is brilliant. It is so good. I'm, if you haven't, if you're feeling that apprehension that I felt with getting started on Better Call Saul, it is, it is really, it's amazing. I can't believe that this guy was able to turn a second series based on one of the characters and, and, and be like that. It, it's, uh, it's been absolutely fantastic. So absolutely loving that show as well. Um, Oh, another one from Michael. Who are your top three all-time favorite fantasy players who are retired? Jordan, pretty clearly. Um, he, he's the, the guy that's up there. If you look back at some of the old fantasy guys, like Hakeem Elijah one was a crazy fantasy player. David Robinson was a, a crazy fantasy player as well. Go look on uh, history.basketballmonster.com and search up these old players. Larry Bird, look at their numbers, look at their, look at their uh, fantasy ranks and the consistency throughout their career. It was out of control, so uh, all those guys are, are obviously pretty high up there. Muhammad, are you excited for Boban this year? Hashtag free Boban. All right, this again. This 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 brings me, um, this brings me to a good point about Boban. People are going to get excited about him. He he can't play as a starter. He he just can't. He, he is not. They are not trading Andre Drummond, so they can start Boban Marjanovic. He cannot play as a starter now. If he gets 22 minutes a night, he could sneak into value at the end of a standard league. And he's going to put up numbers. And if he has to make spot starts, the numbers are going to come. We, we have no doubt about that. 
but it's not going to be on a consistent enough basis for him to be a uh, for him to be a consistent fantasy threat. I've got Corey Kent saying that uh, Kamala's got a no trade. I, I know he does, um, and that, that's why I don't think he's getting traded because he's just they're just going to say no. Like he's he's just going to say no. That's as simple as that. Jeff Padre says, "Does the Targaryen house seem like the Lakers?" <laughs> yeah, that's um yes, the the Lakers man. I know there's a lot of Lakers fans that listen to this, but shit, they need to give me some positive signs that they have any idea what they're doing because there is a lot of mess in that franchise. I know they cleaned some of it out. It is definitely not all the way there yet. I reckon we are almost at the second last question. Clark Makarasik, how old is too old for playing competitive basketball? As long as you can walk the next day and as long as you're not terrible, then what's age is nothing. If you can compete, you can compete. I think when you get to 50, you might be pushing it a bit, but if you can compete and it's not wrecking your body, go and do it. He says, and what are your thoughts on NBA jerseys having ads on them? I have no, I don't care. It doesn't bother me at all. I am used to it. Our sporting jerseys here, the AFL jerseys, we have a sponsor logo on the chest, exactly the same as the NBA. And then we've got one across the back, across the small of the back, a strip advertisement there as well. I'm just used to seeing them. I'm just, I'm not talking about like European basketball when there's like seven um, sponsors on it or Australian basketball. Our jerseys are clean. We've got a, a league patch. We've got a sponsor logo on the two uh, Bristol areas and then a, a strip across the back. No problem with it whatsoever. You'll be, you, within a month, you'll be used to it and you won't even notice. I understand it's a shock to the system, but I literally don't care. And the last question, <clears throat> Drew Way says, what fan base asks you the dumbest questions? Lakers. Probably, and that's probably because they're a bigger fan base. But the not necessarily even questions; it's questions or comments. Oh, yeah, but we're doing this because we're getting Paul George, we're getting LeBron. Um, last year, oh, we're getting Westbrook. Westbrook's coming here. Oh, we're getting Aldridge. Um, yeah, everyone's coming to the Lakers. I just get that consistent. I go when you get someone, and, it, and it's not twenty years ago, then maybe we'll rehab this discussion. But again, this move to clear cap space because the Lakers are going to get free agents when the last free agents they got was 20 years ago. Uh, I think it's a risky move and we'll see how it goes. But Laker fans, oh no, it's a great deal. We had to get rid of Mozgov's because we needed the cap, cap space for 12 months time. You're never going to win that discussion though. All right, we are done for that. That was a long podcast. That At this point, that is it for the rest of the week. The next podcast you'll get from me will be coming live from Salt Lake City where I'll break down the start of Utah Summer League and whatever has happened in free agency to that point. So that will be the next podcast, which will come next week. Make sure you are leaving a review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoy the show and tell your friends, tweet it out, share it, word of mouth, whatever. Get it out to as many people as you can. I am always much appreciative of that. And again, stay tuned for the Listener League announcements in the coming weeks. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Dwight Howard.